0: Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of All Each Other Has. I'm Ellie and I'm talking with my sister Carrie. And today we have a very special guest, a young woman by the name of Sarah Frost, who went to our high school, Trinity High School in New York, and who currently lives in LA and um, has a food and cooking blog and... I'm butchering this, but she's in the food space, and yes, yes, and she's got this great blog called Spooning with Sarah, and she does events and catering. And she catered
1: Ellie's um, bride bachelorette bachelorette
0: party, and she's an amazing, she's a super talented chef, and also a very talented content creator. We love her on Instagram and TikTok.
1: That's that's no H in Sarah. Yeah, (laughs) at Spooning with
0: Sarah with no H. Um, But what you need to know is Sarah is an amazing person. She went to our high school, Trinity, and then Michigan for college and moved out to
1: L.A. and is now killing it in the food space. I wanted to have Sarah on the podcast. Well, first of all, because she listens to the podcast, which is super nice, but also because, you know, in... uh, you know, planning our episode on high school and on Trinity, I thought having someone like Sarah on was really interesting because she was really, you know, that girl in high school. She continues to be, but, you know, Sarah, I didn't know in high school. I mean, I wanted to know her. I was, you know, like many of us, I was a little obsessed with her, but Sarah was this girl who, Seemed, one, like a nice person, which is great. I mean, you can't see because it's a podcast, but she's very beautiful. And, um, you know, we can pretend like that's not important, but, you know, we live in a you know, Sontag's feared department store without walls, this image world. So, you know, it is important and it affects how you're perceived, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll, we'll get to talking about pretty privilege later on. Um, but <laughs> anyways, but let's let
0: Sarah say hi and introduce herself before we get into all that.
1: Listen, I'm just like,
2: I feel like I'm just listening to the podcast. I'm just like on my walk with my I'm like, just no, And, <laughs> and that no, should not be the case. So I like
0: it. But maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, about you know, walk us through your trajectory from, I guess, grade school until now at your age, you're 27, I want to say.
2: Yeah. I'm at 28 in January.
0: Okay. There you go. So yeah. Tell us about yourself.
2: Um, Thanks guys for having me on. So I went to Trinity for 13 years, um, which means I went to school from kindergarten to 12th grade. So that was called being a survivor, which is hilarious within itself. And then I went to the University of Michigan From there, I grew up actually two blocks from Trinity, um, which was kind of amazing. First, we were like on 87th and Weston, and then we were literally on 91st uh, between West and Riverside. So just walking to school every day was beautiful. And there was, you know, we can get into all that. But I went to University of Michigan uh, in Ann Arbor after college um, and had the absolute time of my life. I went there for theater. I got my BFA in acting. um, And I also studied film. And had the most incredible four years being in the Midwest, I feel like was a massive game changer. My mom's from Chicago, but um, so she always likes to say that we have a lot of Midwestern blood and you should really try to.
1: (laughs) That's why you're so nice. It she was
2: like, you know, one of the things that she really valued in herself and really tried to, you know, imbue in her kids.
1: And you guys are probably good at digesting dairy. We are, (laughs) actually. No, that's a thing, Ellie. That's a thing.
2: (laughs) Um, went to university of Michigan best time. And then I always knew I wanted to move away from New York for a little bit. I thought I was going to move to LA for like two years, you know, check it out and then move home when my um, acting career was booming at two years after graduation, which is what was the plan. And then I just honestly pretty quickly fell into food. I was doing both, you know, the crazy audition world and, you know, had a great representation, like was loving the auditions, like genuinely loving it. And I was nanning and doing a million other odd jobs. But I started working for this private chef in the morning just because I had always loved to cook. And I was kind of looking for a, a creative outlet that I could have a little bit more control over. You know, in the entertainment world, it's so much like put yourself out there and then who knows. And it's really just so up not up to you. So I think in retrospect, I was really looking for some sense of you know, I want to mold something into exactly what I want it to be. Started working for that woman in like the early mornings while I was still acting. Um, and I was working for her, just do working in her prep kitchen. She was a private chef and I was doing that for about a year and then decided to jump ship once I had been working for her and a few other companies and then realized that being a private chef could be an actual sustainable career, which is just, I feel like it's not that much of a thing in New York. We have such a restaurant culture there, but yeah, so I've been doing that and kind of, You know, my business has shaped, it's starting to figure itself out a little bit, but I do everything from private chefing to big events and I'm still in LA five years later.
1: Um, I want to get into the reason we're here and it's to talk about Trinity and our high school experience Mm -hmm. and- I want to start with something that, you know, happened recently and like even the New York Times picked up on it. And because in every episode of this series, we've had to mention Caitlin Flanagan, not had to mention, we were happy to mention because she is really the reason I think why we wanted to do this series. But anyways, a few weeks ago, um, and some of you listening might know this, but a faculty member at Trinity, our high school was first suspended and then fired I think or maybe resigned um over an incident asked to leave asked to leave as they say (laughs) in these institutions but basically she went on what she thought was a date with somebody I don't know maybe from an app
2: I have same. I have the same narrative that's that's what's
1: (laughs) yeah that it's somebody from an app I don't know that's just what would make most sense to me and she was actually being secretly recorded um and this was somebody from Project Veritas, which is a kind of gotcha gimmicky journalism from the right trying to expose I guess liberals and people on the left and I think this is such a hot button topic right now that's being reported in you know the right wing media and and by people like Tucker Carlson about kind of reverse discrimination and and Intolerance of ideas and intolerance of conservatism But basically she was recorded saying that A few things That she brings her political agenda into her job And that people are okay with that Her job is basically coordinating assemblies Or what we call community time I think they still call it that And bringing in speakers And I think she's the director of of student life So she said, you know, there are certain points of view we would not bring into the school, which I can kind of imagine what those are. And people talk about like, you know, free speech, but I don't think people like, I don't know, Richard Spencer (laughs) should be speaking on (laughs) college campuses. But I digress. And one of the things she said, though, that honestly really rang true for me and people were most mad about. And I think was one of the main reasons why she was let go. she was saying that the worst kinds of students are these wealthy white boys who are so entitled. And I can see why as an administrator or teacher, you would get in trouble for saying that, but having gone to Trinity Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, it's, it, 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 that was true for me. And like, how, you know, people who are in power in a culture are always going to be poised to abuse it. But I don't know. Can I get your guys' reactions to that whole thing and the, the emails that we got as alumni about it? So I think
2: I heard it from one of my very, very close girlfriends from Trinity. She texted it to a group of like three of us and was like, holy cow. And, my initial reaction to watching it was just like, it just felt so terrible for her. It wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe what she, what yeah. she's saying. I just felt so devastated for her. This woman thinks she's on a on a date and her just privacy being completely, you know, usurped for her and she's probably going to have a hard time with trust relationships with first dates in the future. But I mean, it was harsh, but it wasn't anything that I think that a lot, if not most people at Trinity... Would agree with, not about the white male privilege, but about the teachers at Trinity do bring in their, not even political agenda, but their whole selves. Bring their whole selves. They're not just teachers. Mm -hmm. Trinity, like, you know, whether it's uh, completely honest or not, really prides itself on being a school of like very proud values. Um, And I think it's having to do with the history of the school, but also very. I don't even say politically involved, but like community oriented in the sense of like, in any every sense of the word. So I guess in that sense, it does foster like kind of an like insular. Mm-hmm. Anyone else's opinions that don't align with ours are really welcome, but I yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting you use the word insular because I always felt like, especially you know, Ellie and I had come from Spence, uh-huh. Trinity felt so much more insular than our other school. Interesting. And maybe that had to do with it being co-ed or literally like you were telling us over the phone, just like the architecture of it, very few mm. windows. Um, you're just facing inward all the time. And when you went to Trinity, you didn't really have to interact with people from other schools, um, at you know, on the yeah. weekends. And if you went to Spence, that wasn't the case. If you wanted to interact with more than, you know, a few dozen (laughs) people.
0: Yeah. And just, and members
2: of the opposite sex. Yeah. Well, I remember like it was a big thing in like seventh and eighth grade, it really started like, oh, you have outside friends. Like that was a full blown phrase. Like it was like outside school friends. Right. I feel so bad for Mrs. Miss Norris. Mm -hmm.
0: I don't know her. I don't know if she was there when I was in school. No. But yeah, as you said, Sarah, she thinks Mm. she's on a date. It's just so violating. (laughs) And, you know, frankly, I wasn't very surprised by what she was saying. It's a school on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. You know, we're we're in New York City, a very liberal, progressive place. And so I I really – I'm not surprised by what she said at all. And I mean,
1: they used to call the history department at Trinity Socialist summer camp (laughs) – and you know, we read Howard's Inn and Yeah, I, I know I, I love that about it, <laughs> to be honest. I love
0: that about it too. And I do feel like it equipped us with with the skills to appreciate the sixteen nineteen project, but also maybe appreciate scholarship that you know, that asks questions, that questions it. Mm-hmm. I think we everything should be questioned, right? And we should be able to have mm-hmm debate and discussion about everything. I think, you know, it just was such a gotcha moment because it, unfortunately, she was playing right into these fears of the right that were indoctrinating children. And gosh, you know. Or like
1: the Dalton parents letter, you know, all mm-hmm. of those things happening at the same time or like the Brearley parents. Right. Talking about, rever- you know, reverse discrimination or white kids are being taught to hate themselves. Right.
2: I mean, like, here's the only thing where I was like, huh?
1: During that video
2: was because, so she was an administrator when I'm pretty sure when we were in high school, she was an administrator for like a long time, just like literally just front of the administration. I don't know. Always super lovely. But during the time, whoever was in charge when I was in high school, which was from 20, what, 2009 to 2013, um, or 2008, 2009, it was a very specific point that during our assembly or community time or whatever it was, whenever there was like a really hot topic brought in, like I remember someone who, uh, you know, let's just say it was in LGBTQ rights. There there was an opposing person that came in like a few weeks after. And they trialed that for, I don't remember what year it was, but they trialed it for like a few times and it did not go over well. Like these people were essentially like, you know, being quote unquote, like schooled Mm -hmm. by seventeen year olds and 15 year olds and was just, and then faculty got involved.
1: what what part didn't go over well? like the when if they would bring in the kind of conservative person? Yeah, or... yeah exactly. So whatever the opposing view mm-hmm. was of
2: some hot topic that they brought in. I remember it only happened like maybe under five times because it just became a little like just like super embarrassing, very like, let me stand up and give you a monologue. And tell you from my Mm. place of privilege like that you're wrong fundamentally about this issue which just like is not I don't know I mean it was very interesting and people did not stop talking about it for months after the fact but
1: Mm. I don't
2: really think that like it kind of was like come to our school and we're gonna like slam you down
1: right I mean I, I don't remember that I think maybe that might have been your freshman year Sarah yeah um Like the community time speakers I remember are like Gloria Steinem coming. It was wild. We also had a a child of the Rosenbergs come in and, you know, talk about what (laughs) happened, um, which was honestly fascinating and I didn't fully appreciate it at the time. I also missed community time a lot because I was sleeping in (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, you know, got away with it probably because – I, you know, we paid full tuition and I mean, that's a whole nother thing.
0: But, but, you know, I think this, what happened with Miss Norris, it, it played right into...
1: Yeah. It was like catnip. Yeah.
0: It was catnip. But when you think about those anxieties and fears of the right, about what children are learning and, and their fears of indoctrination with, by a liberal agenda, I mean, I just feel like that's all smoke and mirrors, just jazz hands distraction from what is really the issue, which is like we we live in a fucked up late stage capitalist society. And I think it's great that you are teaching kids who come from such immense privilege about that. I think it really serves them.
1: Yeah. And I think the fear is that they're they're going to then – Knowing what they know or being indoctrinated in some way, they're going to then disrupt the system. system. (laughs)
0: But they never do. Let's be honest. Right. You know, gosh, I work, I'm technically not paid by them, but I work on a show that is on Amazon. I mean, you know, I'm not disrupting anything. And, you know, the majority of kids who go to Trinity, I think, go on to a lot of corporate jobs where they're very successful. I don't think they're tearing down the system for the most part, but I think. It's good to teach kids about that, you know, about these forces that are bigger than themselves and put it into historical context. Yeah. I just don't really get
2: what's so upsetting about it. That's a whole other book of <laughs> words. <like that. laughs> yeah. it is, it's yeah. It's wild that, you know, I think there was also like, this is, I guess, a disciplinary tangent, but the way that Trinity has handled the firing of faculty and the uh, ask to leave of students it's just always so uh such like a hot topic issue. I feel like you know, when a lower school teacher gets fired or a middle school teacher gets fired, like you just know everything about it. I mean, him or her. Mm. You just like it becomes so gossipy, and you know, down to like second graders knowing exactly what's going on because the parents talk mm-hmm. and the faculty talks, and it's an extremely again insular space. Yeah, it's also like. It's very, very rare for a lower school, a middle school, and an upper school to be literally within the same block. It just I don't think that's normal like, you know, public schools, private schools, anything. So even like, you know, down to the fact that our, our headmaster kind of like boarding schools or colleges like lives within the building. Mm-hmm. And the headmaster is gifted a $6 million townhouse. Nice. That is connected
1: to the – Wait, what? I did not know that.
2: Yeah, that's where they really, – I mean, I don't know if it's $6 million, dollars, but, like, you know, it's – Why it's, did I not know
1: that? Well, no, I think Carrie – townhouse. There
2: used to be the same
0: thing at Spence. Okay. There was – there's an apartment for the headmistress on Park.
2: I'm pretty sure. This is crazy. It's just so – Yeah. That's all. Anyway, my point is that it's it's yeah. all super compact and, like, everyone knows everyone's business mm-hmm. and it kind of operates almost as, like, a, uh, a company. It's not even, like, an institution yeah. or a college. Yeah.
1: I mean, the board of trustees, like, y- you know. Right.
2: It fully operates as a company because it is. I mean, it's not for profit, but.
1: I think that's a good segue, though, to get into, you know, the whole – principle of being asked to leave and and we talked about this in a very early episode Ellie when we were talking about your high school experience at Trinity but Sarah when you were a freshman in college something interesting happened and i think in some ways it echoed Ellie's experience at Trinity but there was a boy who was seen as extremely gifted, you know, took a million APs, you know, was amazing at Latin, was independently doing ancient Greek. He was very smart, okay. at least academically. Socially, it was kind of another story. On the one hand, you know, he was friends with the, you know, so-called popular boys in the grade, meaning the white, wealthy, Kids who mostly lived near school or on the Upper West Side. But, and he had come from an all boys school on the Upper East Side and was new in ninth grade. But, anyways, um, something happened uh, our senior year right off, right around the time people were applying early to college. So, this would have been 2013. And he was in a fantasy football league with, I guess, his friend group. And at that point, his friend group kind of thought, uh, eh, he's kind of weird. <laughs> but, you know, by senior year, they kind of realized that. And certain things had happened that made many of the girls in, in our grade, including me, who had dated him in 10th grade, and I would go to his townhouse and I was only allowed in the mud room. It was very <gasps> <No>. weird. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: You stay in the foyer.
1: <laughs> but anyways, I think girls had realized that he was kind of a creep because of stories of things he had done to girls outside of school. Then there would had been this whole thing the year before in your and my favorite English teacher's class when they were reading A Streetcar Named Desire. And I can't remember if it happened in the play, or I think it had happened earlier before the play takes place. But the character Blanche had been raped.
2: Before before the play.
1: Yeah, I don't know. No, like Peter
2: nerding it out. I'm like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he made it. He basically raised his hand to say that she, because she was such a bad person, she deserved what had happened to her. She deserved oh, to have no, been raped, no, no, no. and people in the class. And I'm so glad because I honestly don't think this would have happened. During our freshman year I think there was sort of a shift in the culture People were very, very upset Including the English teacher I think his parents were called into the school His parents also were like liberal You know, well-connected New York Jews But they were called in And I don't know what ended up happening Anyways, fast forward to senior year The fantasy football thing I guess like these boys When they were playing somebody They would change the team name or the or the picture to something to insult the, the other boy that they were playing. I don't know. So what he did is he put a picture in the in the group um, that he had photoshopped. And it was a picture of two women, um, you know, giving fellatio to a horse. Okay. I know it sounds – it's really crazy. Just like <laughs> creative, it's really, honestly. It's really crazy. <laughs> I know. But he imposed the faces of one boy's <gasps> um, girlfriend and another boy's oh, mother. no. And <laughs> I no. can't believe you didn't know this. I guess you were in college. like No, girl, I
2: left Trinity and was like, bye-bye.
1: <laughs> yeah, same. No <laughs> looking <laughs> back. <laughs> and it was disturbing. And I guess somebody within that group informed a school administrator, told their parent something happened. And this was kind of the last straw for this boy. He had, on the one hand, been treated well up to then or been forgiven time and time again because he was such a good student, Mm -hmm. but this was like the final thing. He had to withdraw his application to Yale, his early application, The girl in the picture had also, who's just like an absolutely lovely, super, super smart person, she had also applied early to Yale. Then what happens in these schools, there's this whole disciplinary infrastructure and it's called, what's it called? The disciplinary committee? Literally the disciplinary committee. Yeah. Did you know anybody on that? No. But they had students on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had students on it. I don't don't
2: remember it. Who it was. But
0: I I think it was supposed to be pretty confidential who was on it. That's true. Yeah. And it was like an honor code because, you know, I'm sure they picked, you know, a certain type of student, like one that wasn't in the popular crowd or on sports teams, maybe, you know, they wanted people who would just be able to be discreet about it.
2: The faculty, especially in high school, and this is really going back to lower school though, like just like a very open, like there was no like... I don't know. I guess we we didn't call our teachers by our first names, but there was just a casualness of like – like I was like genuinely quote unquote friends with like seventh and eighth grade male literature teachers, English teachers, which is like in retrospect, just like fucking weird. Like why why we're – I don't know. That's a whole other bag of worms,
1: but like the whole – No, but I think for Ellie and me both, I mean, we get that because in high school – Just clicky. I mean, especially Ellie, but I was very close. With my teachers. Yeah. But yeah, teachers were clicky. I mean, I remember observing their tables. Yeah. Teachers were
2: clicky in a lunchroom. Teachers were <laughs> clicky with student students. Teachers mm-hmm. knew, like, it was almost like a, I don't know, it was like campy. I don't know, there's so much weird shit about Trinity, men. It's
1: like, <laughs> So he ended up being asked to leave, right? Yeah, he was asked to leave. The difference between that and expulsion is being asked to leave, it doesn't end up on your permanent record. It'll just Mm -hmm. say you changed schools, right? And I think he ended up finishing school in Bronxville, you know, outside the city. And I mean, I didn't really keep in touch with him, but I don't think it had a huge impact on his life. No, of course not. Like he ended up going to Cambridge – and like, yeah. okay, yeah, cool. It wasn't like he became a changed person and right. started to volunteer at a battered women's shelter or something.
2: I think with, you know, something that I was thinking about, you are talking about, uh, Redacted was treated well because he was so academically, you know, placed at like a higher value, I guess, within his grade by faculty and like well-respected by other students. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's the competitive nature of Trinity, which essentially pins you against your classmates, whether they're your best friends or not, because ultimately the entire goal of Trinity's upper school is to get all their students into the best colleges. And they really, uh, it's a weird type of control that I feel like is pretty unique to maybe just private schools in general, but especially New York city private schools where it's, you know, it's not just about where you're going to college. It's equally reflected upon them, but That was a whole thing that got absolutely wild senior year where there's a competitive nature, but there's also like teachers would call on smarter students constantly because it was better for the whole of the class, quote unquote, you know, like to hear a perspective of someone that was like much more well-respected or who could do a 30-minute monologue.
1: That's interesting you say that because I would feel like the people who did the reading are going to be more likely to raise their hands. Yeah, but like
2: kind of everyone did the
1: reading. Really? I did not feel like that in my grade. <laughs> really?
0: Definitely not in mine. Mine as well, but yes, that's interesting. They gave preferential treatment.
1: Totally
2: preferential treatment, but it was almost like for the betterment of Trinity as an institution, not so much like for the there's there's no like individual care within Trinity, really.
1: Yeah. I mean, we were saying it's not a nurturing environment. And I think what was interesting about certain teachers' reactions to this boy being asked to leave, you know, there was this whole assembly with our grade called on a Friday during ad hoc. Um, ad hoc <laughs> And the reaction of several teachers was, it's such a tragedy. And... I'm like in retrospect, I kind of in the moment felt that way, like this sucks for this person. And we we're friendly, then um I did enjoy often, you know, being in class with him. I was extremely competitive with him in history. I remember that. <laughs> I totally remember that. <laughs> and um just the reaction of many people who had prior to this happening kind of agreed, oh, so and so is kind of like a freak, and I don't know if I want to be friends with him. And not a freak in a, in like a good way.
2: No, like sexually and toxic. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like a freak, like says that about a streetcar named Desire. People who had decided that just like completely shifted gears, and he became a martyr. And you know, people wrote in the swamp, and what we're going to be talking about the swamp which is the student lounge, like, free and then his initials. What? And I'm thinking about what that must have been like, and I wish I'd been there more for her, and, and, you know, we remained friends through the rest of the year. But the girl who had been Photoshopped into the picture was completely ostracized.
0: Oh, this is, like, what happened to me. Yep.
1: I know. Yep. And, you know, there was no – she had nothing to do with, like, what, you know – the consequences were for for what he did Mm -hmm. so no there you go and then it was this whole thing oh well did she try to sabotage him because they both applied early to yale oh my
2: god it's not
1: it's not her fault yeah (laughs) but that just makes me think you know Miss Norris was kind of right, okay?
0: Well, well, it's interesting I, and because with my bully when he was asked to leave or whatever, I don't think any I think teachers were happy because he was a poor student and he was really disruptive. Hmm. I think they were thrilled to have him gone. So that makes me feel like I guess if a kid is is bright and shows promise and is going to help
2: with their acceptance mm-hmm. numbers, mm-hmm. that's really awful to hear. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. And I feel like, you know, it is interesting that within Trinity, like if you're academically not reaching it or you're just, you know, disruptive class, whatever it is, you'll be asked to leave for, it's just, they'll say it's not the right fit. This happened with my brother, you know, like in middle school, they were like, it's just, it's not probably the right mm-hmm. fit. My parents were like, so is he expelled? <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: so So how did that work? Like they just called them in and said that?
2: It was like, you know, amongst a year and he just like wasn't – they essentially were like, we can't really do anything for him anymore. My parents were like, this is like a school, right? And we're in middle school, right? Like, I don't know. Like it wasn't the right fit because it was just so academically rigorous. And in middle school, I don't think in high school, but there was like a – like the special learning center, Mm -hmm. which were like students that like needed extra help, like got the care that they needed. but. It's really just like tutors. Can you afford more tutors and working essentially overtime because it's just, it's not suiting well with you? Students were asked to leave in high school just because, like, right. it's not gelling and, like, you know, the teachers can't be working overtime constantly.
1: Well, it's just the school is catered to a very specific type of student. I mean, all of these schools are highly specific. Like, the school wasn't even catered towards me, period. Can you say more about that?
2: You know, I, uh, You know, I was a quote unquote survivor. Like I made it through the high school years, but school just didn't, has never come easily to me. I was always a really good writer, but besides that, you know, I just, I didn't fail out, but I probably got like B minuses and C's and a a B plus was like un-freaking real for me in any courses. But my parents really were the ones that, you know, they knew I worked as hard as I did. And if the results weren't A's, then I worked as hard as I did. And obviously sometimes I didn't, but teachers i don't know like you can either take it so intensely or you can i don't know, I'm not saying this very well no, but like it neither. just it was not i was not like an academic student and they
0: didn't they didn't nurture you into you know figuring out what other kind of learning you'd benefit from no
1: like i don't But had, it also seems that's much healthier i was fine like you kind of remind me of our mom <laughs> <laughs> our mom was like that in high school no seriously and it's like all right like yeah She was always telling Eldie and me, stop – you know, you you don't – stop doing homework. Like, you should go to a party. Why don't you – you know, go for a walk or why don't you, I remember one time our mom was doing a one-on-one interview with Lady Gaga at Sacred Heart near our house and Lady Gaga had gone to Sacred Heart.
2: Oh, didn't she go to Sacred Heart? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And mom called me like, you need to come over. It's like two blocks away. Like you can meet Lady Gaga. It's so cool. And she's doing this private, you know, piano performance. And I was like, I can't, I need to study. Mm -hmm. Like, are you serious? (laughs) And probably for like a quiz. Right. But you seemed much more well-adjusted, Sarah. I mean, I
2: went through waves. It was also something that like I just felt horrible about myself like in middle school and then kind of in ninth grade. By the end of ninth grade, I was like, all right, especially because the influx of students that came in from other schools, like on the whole, like were better prepared for high school than the students that had been at Trinity mm. before. So it was like, well, they're just all going to be crazy smart, especially the the kids who have been testing in. right? You know, we obviously had – some like incredibly bright students in my grade, but it's like the the ones that like, it just came easy to them. Like we have like incredibly bright students in our grade, but then when we get the 60 other students from outside school, it was like, they were also competitive because they had taken all this testing to get in there. And they was so weird, like, well, you guys have been here for a while. So.
0: Right. And there was like a complacent or a perceived complacency. Totally. I definitely felt like I had to prove myself. It was, Huge for me to go to a co-ed school for the first time. I had only ever really been around girls. Our whole family, you know, we lost our dad when we were both young. So it was the three of us and Lori Beth, our beloved babysitter who raised me and Carrie with my mom. And then even all our dogs at the time, except for Archie, were all girls. We went to summer camp. So I remember – I know. I remember being so – boys were so other to me. And I remember – Like I would watch this Mary Kate and Ashley movie. I want to say which one? Passport to Paris. I think Passport to Paris. When they talk about, you know, you don't want to have cheese pizza on a date because you don't want like (laughs) stringy cheese to be like coming out of your mouth on a date. And I remember thinking, well, I wouldn't
1: want that, especially two boots because (laughs) I the date is over.
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, I, well, look. It, it, I. Two books. That's so funny.
1: Go on. Sorry. But
0: I, I remember being like, how am I going to eat in front of boys? Am I going to eat lunch with them in a cafeteria? Oh, that's so interesting. I can't believe I'm going to be in school with them. So I really wanted to do well. I wanted to feel like I deserved my place there. And then once I got basically ostracized in junior year, I, I literally just studied because I couldn't hang out in the swamp. And I just hung out in that really depressing library. But it, to me, it was such a sanctuary. I had my cubicle, and I wasn't invited to parties, so I just studied. Oh, my God. But I honestly wonder like, if I would have been that studious if I had been cool. So who knows?
1: <laughs> so going to co-ed school for me was really exciting. I claimed I wanted to go to Trinity because I loved Latin. Um, that was not why I wanted to go. I wanted to go, go to school with boys. And I think I like that Trinity kind of felt – in some ways, like a real high school, um, like you would see like on Glee or something. <laughs> a, a real, yeah, a Glee. Um, but I was so motivated by the fact that I was going to be in school with boys. And I had tried hard at Spence, but like if I didn't really like the subject, I'd be like, oh, this is stupid. I don't care about it. I was not going to be that way at Trinity. And I was like crazy um, about studying. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, like pulling all-nighters in ninth grade and. Oh my God. Oh goodness. But, um, you know, I so badly wanted to, like that boy I mentioned, Mm -hmm. I wanted to compete with these boys and I wanted to show, especially to my female teachers who were everything to me, that I wanted to show them I'm I'm smarter than these boys. And that was really a motivating thing for me.
0: And it's funny, Carrie. I've never, I've, I've never talked to you about this, but you know, when you said you wanted to go to Trinity, I had a lot of reservations about that because my experience was so negative.
2: Because
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I forgot you were
2: fully out by the time that Carrie came in.
0: Yeah. So you know, I don't think we've ever talked about this because I, I felt like, you know, I was in college and kind of wrapped up in, in that when you were applying and stuff.
1: I think I, if I hadn't gotten in, I mean, it was going to be. Pretty, and in retrospect, it was probably pretty easy for me to get into Trinity. I had good grades. You know, we had a mom who was connected, and Ellie had gone to Trinity. Like, yeah. they like they like siblings. They
2: love siblings.
1: Yeah, I, I only applied to Trinity. I think if I hadn't gone, I would have just stayed at Spence, and that would have been probably in some ways better for me. Same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, but Carrie, did my experience in high school color? The application process for you? Like, were you thinking about that?
1: Not really, because the narrative was always – and this is something Sarah brought up when we were on the phone – was that Ellie just had a bad grade, you know? Her grade had unkind boys in it, and it was just bad luck. It wasn't about the culture of the school, which on the one hand, that's probably true. And Sarah, I think in some ways you had – do you think you had a nicer grade in terms of boys than I did or the opposite?
2: I think 1000%. I feel like that's, that's one of the things where like, you know, we have been told by faculty and like older parents that since we were, and this is before like the influx of high school, but even still, like since like third grade, like we just had an incredibly tight knit grade where like teachers would be like, oh, there's actually no clicks. Like even like the quote unquote, like more popular kids, like they're absolutely like, there's just no meanness, like genuinely. That's so nice. You know, there was like, we had crazy racial stuff happening between like faculty treating our four people of color horribly throughout lower school and middle school. Wow. But that was a faculty issue that was like resolved by parents, not of those four kids. We had stuff, but it was like, it was just really all the parents got along, like all the kids got along. And then we were really close with two grades above us because I feel like they had a super same, super tight knit everyone's pretty nice. Great. So we would, I don't know. It's, I had a uniquely, like there was not that much like bullying or drama within our grade. It was like older grades towards girls in our grade or, Mm. you know, just beef between boys and older boys and younger boys. Interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, Trinity was mostly when I think about how I didn't love high school. It's mostly really social anxiety. Yes, the academics were hard and I was stressed all the time, but I also kind of loved that part of it in a sick way. In like a masochistic way. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I think we all loved it in a weird way. Like it was just, it was so intense. And we felt so important because like we're working so hard <laughs>
1: and like right. maybe
2: other schools aren't and
1: it was just bizarre. But socially, honestly, it was it – was hard for me and i think going to school with boys at first that seemed exciting but then really the culture of the swamp oh my god you know which was such a place of surveillance and self surveillance and you want to talk about John Berger ways of seeing, like go there, <laughs> go sit in the swamp and feel yourself as both the surveyor and the surveyed as as a young woman. But also in terms of like who got to spend time or who felt like the swamp was their space.
2: Who sat where? Set the swamp up. Like I think people need to like have a literal visual of how bizarre it was.
1: Yeah. Well, the, at least when we were there, I'm sure it's different now because they remodeled.
2: no, no. no. OG Swamp.
1: Okay. So it was this area (laughs) on the first floor outside of the chapel. As
2: soon as you walk into the school.
1: Yeah. As soon as you walk into the school, it's sort of unofficially divided by grade. So ninth grade is closest to the door. And then you, as you go more inward, you move up in grade and, it's a place you spend time during ad hoc, between classes, after you've eaten lunch, during your free periods, unless you go to the library like Ellie and I did. Um, not always, though. I did, I did spend time in the swamp. But the swamp was also a place to watch other people. And to be watched, <laughs> it was the place <laughs> to see and be seen um, and this is probably true of, of so many places and in, in so many high schools, and this isn't unique to Trinity, but the people who are entitled to really take ownership of the swamp were like the popular boys, which means wealthy white boys, and their you know girl counterparts and Also, The Swamp was where I heard so much language, so much sexual language and, like, objectifying language, really for the first time, at least in real life. And I remember there was, like, this thing, the boys in my grade, and I don't mean to make you uncomfortable.
2: I know. I know know what you're going into. You're good.
1: But, like, with you and and certain girls in your grade – There was always, like, a discussion of, oh, did you see as she's wearing these leggings today? Or (laughs) they would talk also about, like, thigh gaps or they would call it, like, the triangle of light. Do you remember this? Holy shit. I'm sorry if I'm just unraveling (laughs) things you've buried. No, no, no.
2: I remember. I just haven't thought about the triangle of light in a while. Also, remember when, like, they banned leggings and we all were like, no, you can't do that. Just because they're looking at our butts. <laughs> yeah, punish us. It was like a quick two-week thing. They were like, oh, you guys can't wear leggings anymore. This is right at, like the onset of Eleven, probably in like, oh, I don't know, oh, 09, 2010. Right. And within – everyone started wearing them. And it was, that was also a whole like who has real Lulus and who doesn't, which is fucking insane. And then – all the girls were – I think it was the older girls. I think I must have been a, a junior – I mean, a, a freshman or a sophomore, and the older girls were like, no, no. Like, <laughs> that's not going to work. These are exercise clothing that we're going to be wearing.
1: Right. And then why police the girls rather than – Yeah, when the
0: boys are the ones who yeah can't handle
1: it. For me, in ninth grade, I was in an awkward phase. I – look at back at those pictures and I'm like, oh my God, you know? No sure. word. But that's normal to be 14 100%. and not be hot. It's normal. Mm-hmm. It's normal to not be hot your whole life, okay? And like, I feel lucky that I had a glow up, but, you know, and I've talked about this before, but the reemergence of an intense eating disorder for me in the spring of ninth grade was finding out that I was not on a list of the hottest girls in my grade. I was not even on it. Forget it. And I'm not going to say how I found this list because, well, I guess I've already outed myself as a hacker, but <laughs> my friend Allie and I found the list and we were absolutely gutted. Like, wow, we're not even a blip on the radar.
2: That was a whole, yeah, that was a whole thing. Cause it wasn't just like, it, I think the seniors did it. For the whole high school. Oh, my God. And then that's how it started. Um, It's the same time period, though, and it trickled down, and then every grade was going to do it themselves. Right. Wow. Super, super fucked up. And also, but, you know, so much of, like, just, like, the structure of the swamp itself, like, I've been reflecting on this in the past few days is, like, girls didn't sit down. Like, it was literally, like you know, walk in, walk past all the grades, Mm
1: -hmm. see
2: all the gazes of whomever, no matter who you are, like people are just walking you, like, you know, it's the best people watching and the worst people watching. And then we just would like kind of stand around and the boys would sit and they were super low couches so that. Right. And they were low and deep. Right. So it'd be like this kind of male thing of like the, all the guys in your grade relaxing and like, Spreading themselves out and man spreading exactly man spreading, and then like genuinely, you know us being like, we'll go sit on the bench or like we're gonna stand and talk to them in our leggings and short skirts mm-hmm. and whatever like
1: mm-hmm.
2: it definitely was a thing you know
0: the fact that it's called the swamp too is it's so
1: like animalistic, well. As a Shrek lover, I could reclaim it.
0: <laughs> but it sort of reminds me of Mean Girls, you know, the, the idea that you're in this ecosystem mm-hmm. in, in high school is very true. Totally. And for, you know, for me, the swamp was very charged. I didn't feel comfortable in the swamp at all my senior year or after this thing happened to me in the winter of uh, junior year, because one time I was there and I heard people talking about me and it was just awful to be sitting so close and hearing... Things said, you know, and I think I was like on this little couch that was sort of obscured. Anyway, I had terrible times in the swamp. I went to high school, I was at Trinity from, I want to say, 2006 or seven to 2009. And the things I heard in the swamp were terrible. I, someone showed me two girls, one cup there. Another time, you know, the cool girls were not very respected by the guys they, you know, purported to be best friends with.
1: No. And that's something I want to talk about when, yeah. And there was this
0: one time I remember a kid threw out her name and then threw out this hot senior guy's name to everyone. She wasn't there and said, who would you rather fuck? And everyone was like, oh, the hot senior guy. You know, they were just brutal. I remember another conversation I overheard where one kid said, if you look throughout history, men just are smarter and more accomplished.
2: Oh, yeah. That rings true. Because the only
0: thing we have to, you know, that women, the women have to look at, or, you know, he was talking about kind of painters and artists and, you know, all we have is Frida Kahlo. And then, you know, I remember another boy saying, well, I think like women weren't really allowed to do stuff and, you know, and Michelangelo and Da Vinci were gay anyway, or something. I just like the conversations, I really have been thinking about them. I mean, this is so long ago, you know, this is like 13 years ago now, but i I remember these things. I think they sunk in. I think there was a lot of misogyny. You know, I'm not I wasn't like Annie Finelli in in Luckiest Girl Alive, which I just finished. Mm -hmm. You know, I thankfully, gosh, wasn't gang raped and and experienced a school shooting. But it's like there was
1: that culture of just misogyny. And Ellie, I think one thing I want to get to that you said is the cool girls who were purportedly friends with the popular boys, weren't necessarily respected. I mean, that was so true. And Sarah, I'm sure this was different with your real close male friends, and maybe I don't want to speak to your experience without knowing it, but something that I did generally observe in the swamp to be true was exactly that, Ellie, that the girls who had a right to be in the swamp had a right to be there because they were seen as valuable for their hotness or their, you know, so called fuckability, and back to what I was saying at the beginning from Amia, Serena fuckability is not some good that needs to be distributed more fairly. When you are valued in someone else's hierarchy, you still have to pay certain wages um, to exist within that. And I also think about the people who. I mean, not, you know, Ellie, you said you didn't feel welcome in the swamp, but what about the people who never felt welcome in the swamp, you know?
2: Of course, yeah. It's literally like it felt like half, maybe even more than half the grade.
1: There was such a stigma against people who, I mean, either did things during their free periods, went to the library, but a stigma against the second floor. That was a whole thing. There was a hallway and there was a space on the second floor where certain kids would hang out and it was a very queer space. Mm -hmm. And say what you want about Trinity being progressive or liberal, you know, when we were there, maybe in a theoretical sense, like, yeah, I support gay marriage, but I didn't know anybody. Well, I know there was someone in your grade who was amazing, Sarah, a woman, but nobody was openly gay in my grade. Except maybe one person.
2: Yeah, everyone – there was, like, one guy who came out – we actually had a a fair amount of people come out senior year. Oh, okay. But, like, again, at like, within the last month of school type of, like – Right. Hey, you know, like, we're all about to graduate. But, um, no, I totally remember that there was that second-floor bench. They fully claimed that space and – As they should have. As they should have, 100%. But – Yeah, I think it was something that sort of type of like clicked in when I was a senior and I noticed like the whole swamp, like people just weren't allowed there. And it was like, it's not only is it just like literally divided by grade, not even naturally, but it's been that way apparently, you know, for like for 10 years before we even got to high school and that kind of like figures itself out as any high school typically would. But I don't know. I remember like when all the new students arrived within like a month, maybe two months, it was like, oh, I'm not going to be here. You know, like mm-hmm. there was like, oh, everyone's, oh, this is the swamp for the ninth grade. Cool. No, no, it's actually not. And then you just see it like it, it was packed and then it was less packed and then it was a little bit. And then it was like mm. 30 kids you know, per grade. Like it's it was not a space for everyone. and That was nothing that like, that was never like spoken about. It's just so fucking
1: cruel. Yeah. I mean, I think the same thing about – Oh, do you remember this whole thing, straight up, love is louder? Yeah, of course. Barbara. Okay. So to give context, our assistant chaplain was this wonderful, openly gay man.
2: We're still really close.
1: Okay, cool. And he engaged – and I don't know, though, if this is a mistake in how he went about this, but he engaged, like, the cool, mostly white, popular boys – in especially Migrate and I think kind of yours too, Mm -hmm. to participate in this movement that was like part of the whole under the umbrella of like the It Gets Better thing, which was like an online movement to be like love is louder, like it's okay to be gay and you should stand up for gay people. But the people who were asked to be in it were like the main perpetrators of homophobia within the school. 100%. And maybe that was like who wouldn't have claimed that but totally were. And that whole thing, maybe it had a positive impact on somebody, but it felt like such a farce to me.
2: I remember like specifically being called for that and other like just like smaller, I don't know, campaigns or like spreading the word about whatever, like being called and like often to be like, okay, well, you know, can you spread the word about this? And this was like, it was like Facebook. So it wasn't, I was like, yeah, I can post on Facebook, but like, you know, people really respect you and people blah, blah, blah. And like, it wasn't just me. It was like, you know, the more outgoing kids in our grade. But again, like for something that's that specific, it's like, right. no, I should not. I remember that video.
1: There was, no, it was all just straight white people. Oh my God. I actually watched it recently and I was dying.
2: Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. But again, like that's, the faculty like played a role in that. That the faculty, right, liked the quote unquote more popular kids. Like they just, it was so apparent. I don't know. It just, it was just like icky throughout high school. I remember because I was really close to my teachers, but like I don't know, it's just ickiness in terms of like
1: preferability. I have one thing left that I wanted to talk about, and that's the sexual politics of homecoming. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> And I'll say, just to give the listeners, I forgot that we had because it feels like we're just talking, but homecoming at our school took place in the winter because we didn't have a football team because we (laughs) were high school in New York City. So it was mostly for basketball and swimming, if you will. Was it for sports? It was just homecoming? (laughs) Yes. No, it was homecoming. Remember they would play the game at Hunter College? Yeah, I know. You're right. You're right. You're right. And it was like against Dalton, right?
2: National anthem.
1: By the way, I never went to the game. Never. Um, <laughs> I was doing homework. <laughs> <laughs> but I did always go to the homecoming party. And I remember freshman year, Ellie, you were actually home from college for the weekend. And you were telling me what to wear. And you were like, oh, like I used to, you should wear these skinny jeans and these boots and this top. And that's fine. I go to a girl's house to get ready. And they're wearing, like, you know, bandage dresses. Oh, no. You know, like, oh, I misled crap.
2: you. Yeah, girl.
1: <laughs> I mean, I definitely wore, like, a push-up bra. But, you know, I had my hair flat, iron. And this is when I was, you know, I didn't have as much pretty privilege at that time. Carrie. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I, I was really weird for the first maybe six months of ninth grade. I was like, I don't drink. And that wasn't true because I drank before in eighth grade and I had had alcohol with my Spence friends before at like that place Aja under the 59th street bridge or whatever Amber oh yeah girl Amber but I had like this whole complex like I don't I don't drink and so I didn't drink for that homecoming Homecoming, though, was organized, the the party, by a group of senior boys, which already tells you something about the power dynamics. Like, why was it always the senior boys? Why wasn't it, you know, a mixture of people? And it was not a school-affiliated event, which is very dangerous, because it was held at some random loft, like, probably near the West Side Highway. Honestly, Ellie, probably near, like, CBS Evening News, and people who... Did not drink that night, would drink into oblivion. People would get transported to hospitals to get their stomachs pumped. It was just about getting fucked up and about, most of all, making out with people. (laughs) Right?
2: Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior.
1: Yeah, Sarah, explain what the cycle is. Oy, oy, oy. So
2: yeah, I mean, we can go into the whole other like alcohol culture of Trinity too, which was once I got to college, I was like, oh, that was intense. That was a lot because what I'm doing now is pretty much on par with what we were doing in high school and mind I went to like University of Michigan.
1: I was like, oh, I've already done this when I was in college. Oh,
2: yeah. Fully, fully. <laughs> yeah. It just was like, you know – The weekends were like, it wasn't, there was always a party on the weekend, almost always, like no matter what grade. And I think that like Trinity, it wasn't just like the most popular kids. Like I think maybe that was like grade specific. There was always something going on, heavy drinking culture, but then there was a homecoming, which is always super intense. I love that you mentioned that It was larger people because the whole school was invited. Mm -hmm. And I think there was like a Facebook page or something like that where like literally the entire school is invited. Yeah. And, you know- the kids who – this is not even an assumption. It's like my friends who have said since graduating, like, we never felt like we could go to the weekend parties. But, like, homecoming was such a big deal because it's, like, the entire school in one place. So, like, everyone's welcome, literally. There was there was no restrictions about that. It's not they're going to turn people away
1: at the door. You buy tickets also.
2: I, yeah, you, you buy tickets. I also don't think it was, like, that, like, price restrictive. I think it was, like, maybe, like, 30 bucks or something like that which is still expensive for a high school party, but like, you know, it was a proper event. And the quote unquote cycle was something that I remember hearing my freshman year, where older boys would hook up with a freshman girl, a sophomore girl, a junior girl, and a senior girl.
1: And if a girl – if a girl did it, she was disgusting. Totally. You know? Huge lie. And there was one girl in our grade who tried to reclaim it. And in retrospect, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. But it was also such a culture of taking pictures of people making out and posting them on Facebook in the homecoming group. Yeah. And if it were a boy, it was like this badge of honor. And I'm being Captain Obvious about this. But if you were a girl and your picture got posted – and this happened to me once, not with homecoming, but – At a sweet 16 (laughs) and it's humiliating. And like, I'm friends with like aunts and uncles on Facebook or I I don't use Facebook anymore, but you know, it's horrible. Um, It feels like such a violation. Yeah. The whole thing was pretty
2: violating just in general because you just know exactly what you're getting into. Like, I don't think anyone was there for like more than like an hour, hour and a half, like at tops because I mean, there's no alcohol there. We're in high school, but like people come so, literally, blackout and then just like leave. I didn't make it my junior year. Yeah. Trinity really tried to s- stop it from happening and like tried to, a few years in a row, like tried to make it like a Trinity sponsored event. I hope those homecomings aren't really happening anymore. I mean, it was like. I mean,
1: maybe not because of COVID. I don't know. <laughs>
2: yeah. But also, like, you know, kids' stomachs being pumped uh, when they're 15 is.
1: Horrible. Yeah, I mean, now I feel like
0: I'm 31, so (laughs) I feel so out of. I mean, that's not that old, but you know, I'm not a member of Gen Z, and gosh, are kids in high school even members of Gen Z? I guess they
2: are. I don't know. I'm I'm millennial. Carrie, you're millennial, right? She's cusp. Oh,
1: (laughs) but Mm -hmm. um, don't forget it. But I, I do
2: feel like
0: you know and and i think over the past few years everyone's like oh there's been an overcorrection you know with the me too movement everyone's afraid and and it's sort of like no everyone for the first time is being accountable and not being an asshole and i think that that's you know permeated the culture a, recal- a recalibration needs to happen where it doesn't feel so obvious at times that people are trying to check a certain box but I feel like people are drinking less. I think that's been shown. Kids are drinking less, right? Oh, I and rape culture yeah. people are talking about. So yeah,
2: I I hope it's better now. Yeah. My sister is seven years younger than me.
0: Oh yeah. So she knows what's going on.
2: <laughs> so she it just also it was interesting to see her go through uh, Trinity. The culture was changed by then even. Um, and I think and I'm just, you know, speaking specifically just to like the social and drinking culture but like it's you know it wasn't that intense i think that like trinity has gone through these ups and downs ever since like you know i've been there but of being quote unquote overly progressive or too involved with like student life and like family life and trying to like really put you know have a grasp on every single student and then being a little bit too lax and i don't know where they land now obviously but it was really interesting to to keep hearing about it from my parents and my sister, you know, ten years after the fact. Of because they like to, they even try to implement that's like crazy, totally different learning way i don't even know how to describe it and like a montessori or something no it was it was essentially that but in for for two years in high school and then they took it away where like literally it was a complete revamp of the way that they educate period it wasn't you know it was a totally different school of thought um which essentially was like give the kids the material and if they don't figure it out then you teach essentially backwards mm-hmm. it didn't work it was really horrible yeah
0: like sometimes you have to teach different kids differently, and not just say that it is it isn't a good fit, and we
2: suggest you leave. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's not a, like a high touch institution. It's like do you fit the mold or not? I was told to not apply to theater mm. <laughs> when I was a senior year, and we just stopped going outright. Wow. To my college advisor because she kept pushing. Like after meeting two, and your parents are in the meeting too, and you know they're saying, well, Sarah's you know, going to school for theater. That's what she's wanted to do for a few years now. Well, that's really great. I love that. She's very talented. Why don't we, let's have her apply, but then let's also, here's a list of colleges that she's also going to apply to.
0: So you felt like they didn't take your interest in theater and you wanting to apply to a program in college for that seriously?
2: They had never had someone do that in six years prior. I see. So they didn't know what they were – it was so what? – we're like six years? No one's applied to any fine arts program for six years? Wow. And they were like, no, we don't really like do – the language around was crazy. Like, no, we don't really do that. Like, we always encourage mm. people to have a backup plan. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, that's that's messed up. You
0: know, I think schools are, are hotbeds for change sometimes and then sometimes they have to catch up with the culture at large you know and it feels like that's what sort of happened to trinity and i i but i do think that on the whole everyone educators administrators are doing their best and i i think that there's so many factors at play and that's kind of what Carrie and i Have been talking about the past few weeks is that, you know, it's not just that they're being insensitive to your interests. It's that they have a mandate to get you into a certain tier of school and that goes on, you know, their reports and, you know, that's how they rank Trinity, Mm -hmm. right, against other schools and they want to be ranked higher than other schools so they can get more money. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's really, it's a capitalist venture. And so I think being aware of of that and, you know, Caitlin Flanagan, Again, writing that amazing piece that we kept coming, kept coming back to about in the Atlantic. I think it's just important to understand where we were and and this machine we were caught up in.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's. I would never send my kids to. Yeah, you know, I just don't need them to go through that. Like the lower school experience was amazing. So I, I take it you don't donate. <laughs> no, but you know, it's. I've been asked to work on the alumni thing like several fucking times, and I'm like, you guys, like I had a. And this is, I feel like I've been, you know, speaking pretty negatively, but Trinity was incredible 50% of the time, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) half the time was amazing. Half the time it like really didn't raise well-rounded children. We were children, Mm -hmm. but so I don't, you know, obviously I didn't choose where I went to school. My parents decided that for me when I was four or whatever, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely interesting. And I have so much deep, deep, deep respect for a lot of my faculty that I did get along with, which was like nearly everyone. I've, I'm still in touch with a bunch of people. And I know that kind of a, something that we were weaving throughout was, although we were like little humans and sometimes it was a little bit inappropriate, but they really did treat us like little adults. Um, always, which was you know kind of nice. They they cared about us too. The faculty individually cared about the students that they cared about. Totally. And again, fifty percent of the time that's going to work, and fifty percent of the time it's not. <laughs> so yeah, it come out at an even. Now I am not donating my five dollars a month. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean we're we're the same way. Yeah. yeah. We don't we don't I don't give a penny to those people. I think they're good. On that note, we're gonna wrap it up we want to thank Sarah so much for coming this Yay. is the final episode in our very long private school series but we're so grateful to have had each and every guest who brought a unique perspective and we just enjoyed also reconnecting with so many people and so thank you for being part of this sarah and thank you to the listeners for sticking with us for this long our next episode is not going to be about private schools and we promise to not talk about it for a while
2: <laughs>
1: you guys are the sweetest <laughs>
2: thank you for thank you sarah me.
1: so
0: much truly thank you